what we're talking about today. Um, I just couldn't be more thankful for the songs that were selected this morning, and I think you're going to see why as we walk through this passage, as we continue to talk about uh, what God is doing and will continue to do uh, in and through each one of us. And so in Mark chapter 5, I want us to be reminded of who God is, of what he's done. And the last three weeks, we have talked about first the repent and follow after Jesus. This is the call on our life. This is a call to us, is that we were to repent and follow Jesus. The second week uh, was a reminder and hopefully an encouragement to you, something that you're doing anyways all the time, is you're, you're eating and drinking. And the encouragement was this. Eat and drink with someone who's not following Jesus. That meal, that table is a bridge into life and into conversation. And so we encourage you to do that. And last week, Kai... I appreciate Kai sharing is she had the mustard seeds, right? And she kept putting it in the jar, saying these are acts of faith. This mustard seed of faith will grow into something great when we take that step of faith. And she just kept putting it in, being reminded of what uh, God has done for us. And so today, this is what I'm going to encourage you with, I'm going to challenge you with, is that not only do we hear the word, but we believe the word, and we think about it, and it sits in our heart, and then we act on it. So not only hear, not only believe, but we act upon the word. And I think what James had to say is do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. So James is saying we can listen, we can come to church, we can read the word, we can listen to it, but don't just deceive yourself that that's enough, is do what it says. It makes me think every time I think of that passage in James is uh, when we've done fight club chapters here, a discipleship program for our men, is every day we read a proverb and so today's the 3rd of July, so we will be reading the 3rd proverb, tomorrow the 4th proverb. And the, the chapter is about 10 weeks long, and so you read the proverbs about two and a half times. And so for multiple men, they've done five, six, seven, eight chapters, and so you can do the math of how many times they've read the book of Proverbs. And I've had many men come to me and just be like, I'm done with Proverbs. Can we please read something else? Right? And with a smile on my face... I ask them a question, well, are you doing what it says? They're like, no. I'm like, well, let's keep going, guys, right? This carry on. So not just hearing the word, but really doing what it says. And so as we listen to this today, I want us to not only hear the word, but do what it says. And we have an example in Scripture. So Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and he saw Jesus. He fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him, and he turned around to the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? 
But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from her suffer your suffering. So think of this woman in this narrative. 12 years, 4,380 days. She was sick. She was bleeding for this entire time. The doctors didn't know what to do. Doctor after doctor after doctor. It says that she spent all of her money and she was broke. And there was no improvement and she was only getting worse. So not only was she physically well, what, uh, ill, but she was also considered unclean. So there was a, a system within the law, the Torah, of being clean and unclean. And we really don't have a comparison in our society today of what this may be. And, and maybe the closest we could find is in India, the lowest class, the Dalit, is this untouchable class. But that's not even a good comparison to this. She was considered unclean. And if she touched anyone or anyone touched her for the rest of that day until evening, that person was also considered unclean. So they couldn't worship, they couldn't go to temple, couldn't be around other people. Now, if she stopped bleeding for seven days, then she would be considered clean again. But for 12 years, for 4,380 days, she was considered unclean. So think of this impact upon her. She could not touch another person. Another person could not touch her. She could not be around people for the fear of the interaction. Some even believe that like the breath of someone or walking behind someone who is unclean would cause another person to be unclean. So everyone just stayed away. So if this woman was married, there's no contact with her husband. If she had children, there's no contact for 12 years. She was a social outcast and she could not go to temple and worship. She was a spiritual outcast as well. And she heard Jesus was in town. They were saying, this is the Messiah. Jesus is there. And she thought, if I can only get touched, uh, close to him and touch his cloak, then I'll be healed. And I can only imagine the, the anxiety and the fear and the worry of, of going into town where Jesus was. Remember, she had been isolated from people. She had been away from people. And the scriptures say that the people were all around Jesus. So you think of this large crowd. So not only did she have to get near Jesus, she had to go through other people, which meant she was touching other people and other people were touching her. She moves to the crowd, through the crowd, and she touches his cloak. And verse 29 says this, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Can you imagine that? Immediately, she felt the healing in her body. But she was not the only one who was healed by touching the cloak of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 14, and also in Mark 6, in Matthew 14, it says this, When the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. And this is a powerful piece of clothing, right? I mean, this woman is touching this, this piece of cloth and she's being healed. These individuals are coming from the countryside just saying, let me touch the cloak. And the language is very specific that it is the cloak that they're touching. So what's going on here? What do they know that maybe we don't? 
that we're wondering about, like, where do we buy that shirt, right? What do they know? Why such faith to go and act this out? Well, flip over to the Old Testament, to the book of Numbers. Let's take a look here. We're going to look at a couple different passages. So the first five books of the Bible is Torah. This is law. Numbers is part of that. Numbers 15. It'll be on the screen here as well. So the Lord is giving Moses commands here and directives. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corner of your garments with a blue cord in each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at so you will remember all the commands of the Lord that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lust of your own heart and eyes. Then you will remember to obey my commands and will be consecrated to your, Lord, to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So there's this instruction to Moses on your garments, on these cloths, make sure you're putting tassels on there. Why? So that you remember all the commands of the Lord, all the promises of the Lord, the directives of, of who to be, of what to do and what not to do. And this is a tangible, tactile type of thing for them to touch and be reminded. I want you to think about your house. I'm imagining around your house, you have different mementos or little um, things that you've collected throughout the years that you could pick up and you could hold and it brings back memories. It brings back times in your life. This is the same idea is that when this garment, when these tassels were touched or would be walking and it'd be hitting your body or you'd be near it, you'd be reminded of the promises of God. Now, one of these garments may look something like this. You may call it a prayer shawl. It can also be called a mantle. Uh, but the word for it is talit. Can you say talit? Good job. That was good. All right. So talit. It is a piece of cloth. And on the talit, there are, at each corner, there are longer tassels like Moses was instructed. The word for this is tzitzi. Can you say tzitzi? It looks like t-zit-zit. But it's tzitzi. All right. So at the corner of these garments, there are four tzitzi. This is what they would be encouraged to wear. This is what Moses was instructing them to have. And so again, when you're praying, you can grab this as a reminder of the promises of God. When you're walking and it's hitting, you're reminded of the promises of God, the commands of God, of who he is, who he said he is, and it would be. It's this constant reminder. But what, again, why would the woman and why would others come and touch Jesus's garment. Well, let's look back at a couple different passages. One being Psalm 91. You've heard this before, but maybe not in this context. Psalm 91 says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress and my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the follower's snare and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. What does this look like? Wings. You see this in the passage? Under his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. And so the rabbis would have this. And often fathers, when they were praying prayers of blessing, would bring their children underneath 
the, the talit and cover them as they're praying for them, as this shelter. Even uh, people would say that Jesus, when he was talking about a prayer closet, that this could be the prayer closet he was talking about. To cover, to be present with the Lord and to block out distractions, if at all possible. There's another passage in Malachi, Malachi 4, that says this, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, the coming Messiah, will rise with what? Healing in its wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves from a stall. So why did this woman and why did others go to Jesus and touch his garment? Because she believed that the coming Messiah would have healing in his wings. That if Jesus was who he said he was, then the prophet would be true that there would be healing in Jesus' wings. This was an act of faith. This was an act of belief that this woman was stepping into. This is why Jesus responds the way that Jesus does. Verse 30. At once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. This word power, this, it means, it's the, the word deutimus, which means dynamite. It's a powerful word. That power left Jesus and power healed this woman. In verse 30. He turned to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples are very practical. They say, Everyone touched your clothes, right? But I want you to notice this. Everyone touched his garment, but it was the woman who came in faith that was healed. Not everyone. She came expecting, she came in faith, she came believing, she came saying, if Jesus is who he says he is, there's healing in his wings. Verse 31 says, you see the people crowding around me, his disciples asked, and you ask who touched me? The woman is hiding. Remember, she's not supposed to be there. Now Jesus is, is standing there in verse, 30, verse 32, that Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Calls her daughter. He invites her in. It is an intimate comment. Your faith has healed you. Not the garments. Not the talit. Not the, the, the tzitzi. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now you remember where we started Remember who the first person we meet is? Or who Jesus interacts with right away? It's Jairus. He's still there. He's standing and he's watching this unfold. And if I was Jairus, you know what I'd be doing? Hey, that's really great. She's healed. Let's go. My daughter's sick. Right? You would too. And I'm sure there's part of him that's like, come on, Jesus, let's go. She's been sick for 12 years. My daughter needs you now. He, when Jesus healed the woman who had been bleeding, he says, your faith, your faith is what healed her. And to Jairus, he says this in verse 36. Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. 
Now the words Jesus used for faith and believe in this context are the exact same root word. Jesus is saying, did you see the faith of this woman? Jairus, stay with me. Stay with me. He's here. Because Jairus is getting this news right here in verse 35. While Jesus was speaking, some people came to his house from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And Jesus is like, just believe. Stay with me, Jairus. Stay with me. Just believe. Verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, and the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. They didn't believe. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kalum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. 12 years of suffering, a 12-year-old girl. Jesus in the middle of both situations. One that was engaging in hope and belief and the other that's struggling with hope and belief. So what do we do with a passage like this? Well, a couple observations here. First, healing. Healings then and healings now are, are bittersweet. You hear about someone being healed. There's someone that's been prayed for and they find healing that the cancer is gone, the sickness is gone, the suffering is gone. And we celebrate and we should. We should praise God for that. But at the same time, you may be sitting there saying, what about me? What about my little girl? What about my husband? What about us? There's this bittersweet reality where we praise God, but we say, what do we do with this? And I have to tell you, I am wrestling with this, and I wish I had a very great, clear answer for you today. As I have sat with families in the midst of grief, just as many of you have, you've experienced that grief. It's just not words of explanation. But I do want to give something for you to start to wrestle with, to pray over, to consider when it comes to healing in passages like this. Is first this. All healing this side of eternity is temporary. That that cancer that you're healed from, that pain you're healed from, that sickness that you're healed from, that whatever it is, it's temporary. We should still celebrate. We should still praise God. We should live to the fullness in that healing. But we need to be reminded that this woman who was bleeding and this 12-year-old little girl, they eventually died. Just as we all will. Every single one of us. second thing to consider with this is that every follower of Jesus, the scripture tells us that we will be healed fully if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That this life is not the end. The suffering and the pain that we experience here is not the end. If we know Jesus, there is life beyond this. We will be fully healed then. In Revelation, we hear words of this future, even though it's hard to understand and, and we question things now. 
We hear this future in Revelation 21, where it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things had passed away. So yes, pray for that healing now. Trust God for that healing here. But make sure our eyes are focused on eternity. This promise from God. Remember where we come and we remember the promises of God. His commands that he's faithful, that he's true. But this future healing begins now. In Isaiah 53, it says this. But he being Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that is where our true healing comes from. God may or may not heal you now here in some physical way, but our ultimate healing is by salvation through Jesus Christ on the cross. It's in his death, and his atoning work, where we recognize that work, we confess our sin, that we're sinners. And he takes our sin and he puts his righteousness on us. Like Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, be reconciled to God. This is salvation. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is ultimate healing. This is eternal healing. This is what it means to be fully healed. So yes, pray for that healing now. Trust God now. But also have an eternal perspective. Second observation that goes along with this is that it's not just about the woman being healed or the, the child being healed in the story. There's something more. It's not about this consumer transaction of Jesus, heal me now. All right, thank you. And then I'm going to continue on with my life is that Jesus calls him daughter. He wants relationship. He wants us to trust as we walk through storms, as we pray for whatever that is we're praying. That he wants to be known as father and, and you as a son or a daughter. That we lean into him. See, when we're raising our kids, it's not like we snap our fingers and they're grown and they're mature. No, we bring them along, teaching along the way. And there's hard lessons along the way. There's hard teachings. There's hardship that we, we navigate through. But there's also blessing. And we're there walking with our children. And this is what the Father God wants from us. Is he wants this relationship. He wants you to trust him. To know that he's good. Even when things are hard. To know that he's good. So with healing, there's a son and daughter. And the third thing is faith and expectancy. What does it look like to come into every day with faith and expectancy? Not just Sunday when you come to church, but Monday, tomorrow, when you step into whatever that day holds, and Tuesday. The woman acted with faith and expectancy. She was looking. She was taking risks. She was aware. Jairus went to Jesus. Second Chronicles, where it says that the Lord searches to and fro, searches over the entire earth, looking for those he can strengthen, whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
It's this faith and expectation of, Lord Jesus, I don't know what this day holds, and it may be hard, and I'm not getting the answers that I have, but Lord, I trust you, and I expect you, God, that you're going to continue to work, and I'm going to lean into you. I may not understand it, but I'm leaning into you. I want to hear the Spirit speak, move through situations, move through conversations. As I look into your word, let me see you. As I'm praying, just quietly speak to me. Lord, speak. I come expectant. I come eager. I come ready. So today, maybe like that woman or maybe like Jairus or maybe like the others that we see in Scripture, there's an act of, of faith or expectancy. You're asking God for something, for him to do a work. And again, it's not because of anything special with a piece of cloth, but rather the belief behind it. We're going to come before the Lord in the Lord's Supper, and this is something we do in remembrance of what God has done for us. It's a reminder of his faithfulness. It's a reminder of what Jesus has done and that he will return again. It's a reminder that he laid his life down, this broken body and this shed blood. It's an act of faith. And so today, I, I've left the talit here. Not because the piece of cloth has any power, but rather the faith and belief behind it. Maybe it's a reminder for you that maybe today, as you come forward to receive the elements, that you just want to touch part of the hem here, this, this seat seat, and just say, God, I put my faith and my trust and my belief in you again. Lord, it's stormy ahead of me. I don't know what it is, but I, but I put my faith in you. I trust you. And then you take this. So what I want to invite you to do, the so scripture calls us to examine ourselves, is to know what's going on in our heart. To confess anything that we need to confess. And also to renew our commitment to the Lord. As a reminder... Um, we have open communion here, which means if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to receive. We have options for you. If you'd like a sealed cup, you can do that. Otherwise, there are double stacked cups with the bread at the bottom and the juice at the top. And we receive communion together. And so we invite you to come when you're ready. All the communion is up here today. Uh, invite you if you just, if you want to touch the cloth, you are welcome to. But then you take the juice and the bread back to your seat. And together, I'll lead us through. So would you take a few moments of worship, of prayer, of reflection, of a renewal of faith and commitment this morning? And would you come when you're ready?
We gather on this table because of a shared faith, a shared belief in Jesus, who lived, who died, who was buried, who was resurrected, and is living today. We enter into this faith through belief. It's this confession of sin. This confession that I am a sinner, that I fall short. This trust of the work that Jesus did on the cross atoning for my sin, paying for my sin. And we trust him as we walk with him. And so today, as we're reminded of this faith that we've entered into, if you've not entered into that, today could be your day. Just confessing that sin that I'm a sinner. And I want to follow after you. We're reminded of the salvation Word records, for I received this from the Lord, what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said this. This is my body, which is for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. With gratitude, would you take the bread? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying this, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Would you take a drink? Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Would you pray with me? Merciful Father, gracious God, we give you thanks for Jesus, for the life and life to the full that Jesus offers now, but even more so, life eternal. And so, Father, I pray today that you would strengthen our faith and our belief. Lord, as we continue to seek you, God, may we engage you like sons and daughters with faith and expectancy. God, knowing the ultimate healing, God, that you bring through Jesus. So, Lord, we love you. God, we surrender this day, this week, this weekend, and, and all that is before us to you. Lord, knowing that you will help us and guide us and direct us, that you are our strength. So, Jesus, we love you. We pray these things in your strong and powerful name. Amen.